New York, big city of dreams. I'm coming, coming, I'm coming straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. What's going on? This is Jailers from the Nick of Time show here. Give you that Nick's talk just in the Nick of Time. And it's time to hit the gunshots because we're back with the full squad, the Voltron, or whatever you want to call it. We all here today to talk Nick's. So let's get into it. Before I get into it, you already know what it is. I got to introduce my guys. First and foremost, it's my man from the YouTube channel across the street. I call him the raw metaphor. It is the raw Hebrew remnant. What's going on, raw? What's up, Jay Ellison crew? Yeah, I know. I, I saw you on the chat. We want raw. We want raw. I saw you on the last couple of weeks. He's here. Calm down. Chill. He's still here. He's, he's busy. It happens. It happens. All right. Uh, next, next we got my man Rookie of the Year from Dallas. Helped us get Jalen Brunson on the Knicks. If you didn't know, he was a spy. He was a spy for us. Uh, my man from Posting and Toasting and Deadspin, and now has joined KOT. It's my man Lee. What's going on, Lee? Don't blame me for the tampering, but I'm definitely coming from MFFL's neck, man. No <laughs> fans on here, bro. It's a good tell me. Listen, coming for your neck this year. As long as you don't find out that Lee's working with the Knicks, they can't stick us for the tampering charges. All right, they can't stick us. <laughs> I'm the janitor. Exactly. The charges will never stick. And you already know who this guy is. It is the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with the stats and the facts. Ryan G's in the building. Y'all know the vibes. Let's talk Knicks basketball. Let's go. That's right. And my man Ryan, he's in Indiana now. He moved to New York. He's probably trying to keep an eye on the Miles, the the uh the Miles Turner situation. Jason Case, we can get him on the cheap. So we got spies everywhere in Knicks Nation. All right. <laughs> we got spies everywhere. We just need one in the New York Knicks office. But um, let's get let's get to it. Let's get to it. Ah, uh, first and foremost, listen. You already see. We're going to be talking about a lot today, okay? We're going to be talking about uh, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, everybody. Listen, I, oh, I got the wrong ticker up, man. That's fine. That's fine. I can switch it up. But we're going to be talking about a bunch of people today, all right? Um, And one of the people that I want to talk to you today about is actually Evan Fournier. As Raw likes to call him, Mr. Wee Wee. We are hitting the three. Mr. Wee and the three. Now, if you've been living under a rock, you already saw Tom Thibodeau hit the podium the other day. And a reporter asked him, it's like, uh, so you know the wing, the wing. I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. He's like, they know the wing position here is, is a pretty interesting position. And he asked Mr. Tom Thibodeau. Um, who the front runner was for the wing position, and he mentioned Mr. Wee Wee and Fournier. And Knicks Nation went wild. I put up the frowny face. No one liked it. Um, I calmed down after a while. I calmed down after a while <laughs> because, you know, I realized it's still early. I didn't want to get ahead of myself. 
but Knicks Nation reacted and it wasn't pretty. So I, I'm gonna let Raw lead this this talk off. Um, what do you expect from Evan Fournier? What do you make of Tom's uh, declaration that Evan Fournier is in fact the the runner, the the front runner? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, okay, we know Thibodeau's a vet dude. He said Evan played well the second half of last year. But in all fairness, if you listen to the whole comment, he said, we'll see because we have a lot of depth at that position. And then someone said to him, so that that means that Evan Foy is the front runner. And he said, yeah, you could say he's the front runner. Yeah, like that. But I'm going to reserve judgment until after we see the preseason in the first 20 games of the year. Um, I'm a true believer in the cream rises to the top. I think that Quentin Grimes is going to get his shot. At least I know he's going to get a fair shot to see what he could do. And if he outplays Fournier, I think he's going to end up closing and he may end up starting eventually. And I'm really looking to and hoping that Cam Reddish gets a fair opportunity to play. But I can understand him starting off the depth chart with how he finished it last year because that's just how he is. Yeah, he, he came in there. And broke John Stark's three-point shooting record. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as much as people didn't like Fournier, I mean, listen, he did his job. Okay? He did his job. We knew he was an okay defender, and, and we right. knew he was going to hit threes, and that's exactly what he did. Lee, I know you were chopping out the pit. What do you have to add to that? You know, we we're, we should be grateful that Evan Fournier is not uh, Courtney Lee or Clarence Weatherspoon or Bella Harrington, Shannon Anderson, one of these vets that when they come in the game where they start, you just like can't help but roll your eyes. We're not watching <laughs> Elder Payton. Evan Fournier, he can shoot that thing, and he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. So at least if we're going to be watching a starting unit, you know we're going to have some good spacing with Evan Fournier at that two-guard position. Now, will it get cooked on defense? No doubt. And hopefully after a 15 or 18 game sample size around the time of Christmas time, you'll probably see Thibodeau make an adjustment and enter uh, Grimes into the lineup, which is how he, that's just how he operates. He wants guys to earn that spot and not be given to him. So once Grimes provides a sample size off the bench, he's playing D, shooting around 38, 39% from three. He's hitting his free throws, attacking the basket. I think that's when you'll see the opportunity given because it's been earned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Anything to add there, Ryan? Yeah, so regarding Thib's comments, first and foremost, first and foremost, I want to thought I want to start off by saying this. Don't expect someone to beat out Fournier for that starting role going into the regular season because the only way that's gonna happen is if Fournier is outplayed tremendously where it pretty much gives Thibs no choice to put somebody else within the starting lineup or he's gonna get a lot of heat from the media, fans, etc. So him saying that Fournier is a front runner, Fournier is more than, more than likely gonna start going into the season. But if you go based off of last season, even though Fournier started a lot of games, Fournier was on the bench for a lot of the fourth quarters to end the game. So even if Fournier gets that starting position, I'm still not worried because I feel like based on Thibs' history, Going into the end of games, he's going to go with he's going to probably go with the guy who can defend along with spacing the floor. And I think 
like you know, like Ron Lee has mentioned, I think more than likely he's gonna go with Grimes towards the end of games and have Fournier just start out games and give the Knicks a boost with the three-point shot and the spacing, etc. So I'm not concerned. I know Knicks, I know Knicks Nation went into a whole frenzy and they went crazy when they heard, you know, Dibs was leaning towards Fournier to be the starter for um the Knicks at the two guard, but I'm not worried. I'm just telling Knicks Nation, calm down. Based on Dibs' history, he's more than likely not going to be closing out the games, all right? He's just going to start. <laughs> be easy. <laughs> be Yeah, we, we all got to be easy. We all got to take a breath, even me. Sometimes I sometimes my initial reaction is, and then I wait five minutes. I'm like, all right, wait a minute. You know what? It's maybe not as bad as it seems at this moment. It, it, it's going to be a process. It's going to be a process. And it's funny enough, there's a, there's a little bit of interesting tidbits happening in news right now. Um, One of them is that uh, Quentin Grimes is, is, is suffered a little bit of injury. Um, they said he has a boot on his foot, but they said it's day to day. The Knicks, they're kind of weird on how to report injuries though. So, I want to believe them, but I'm gonna keep an eye on that. <laughs> I'm gonna keep right. an eye on that. Um, right. But listen, this is the time for for Cam to actually go to the forefront if Grimes is down right now. The way I already said it before, the way for Cam to get into the starting lineup or into the playing rotation is going to be through de- defense. Okay, the bo- both Cam and Grimes can outplay Evan Fournier on the defensive end, straight up. So if there's any reason for them to play over him, it's going to be on the defensive end. They just have better tools, whether it be athleticism or length, they have better tools. So that's going to be uh, their opportunity. Uh, ultimately, I still feel like it's going to be Grimes because, um, I don't know, he just, to me, the, de- the defensive motor between him and Cam, I feel like Grimes has more of a defensive motor, even though Cam has the actual tools. And that combined with, with Grimes shooting, I feel like the coach is going to know what he's going to get more day-to-day from Grimes, which is why I feel like he's going to end up starting anyway, um, whether it be the beginning of the season or December. But... If Cam defends, I think he can be knocking at the door and pressuring Evan, but he has to defend. He has to he has to depend on being a three and D guy. That's what I think. Uh, but we can get into that. Before we get into that, shout out to my guys. Hold on, there's some super chats. Gunshots for the super chats. Y'all came out the gate throwing money. Come so out shout out to gate. you guys. Came out the gate throwing you money. <laughs> so shout out to you guys. Uh, Keith Watkins sends a 499 super chat says, good evening, fellas. Ready to get into this. Appreciate y'all greatly. We appreciate you too, Keith, man. Thank you for the super chat. It's going to, it's going to help us for sure. Keith Watkins sends another 199 super chat says, hope your family is safe in out there. Roy. Yeah. Shout out to Roy. Everybody knows Roy lives in Florida and he's going through a hurricane, but as you can see, Roy's okay. All right. And. Also, Jason M. Shout out to my guy, Jason M. Says, what up, fellas? I can't wait for the games to start. Me too, man. Games are starting on Tuesday. And listen, for you guys watching, stay to the end. I got a surprise to tell you about a guest that's coming, but y'all going to have to wait. But I'm going to let y'all know. All right? Big things. Big guests coming. 
next week. (laughs) (laughs) Big guest coming next week. And you going on to be Let's run Ting. Ting to run here. Exactly. (laughs) Raw no, he in Florida. You know. All right. (laughs) Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. Let's bring it. I I don't really have that many. I don't have a real deep dive for Evan Fournier because I feel like Evan Fournier is like one of the one players where you just know you're going to get. He's going to give you the threes. He's going to have lapses on defense. Um, and, you know, he, he might be challenged for a spot. He, he's coming off of a run where he led his team in France um, to, a, to, a, to a finals and lost. So, you know, he has it in to be a leader, um, at least vocally. But here on this Knicks team, I kind of know what to expect. Um, the only thing I'll say is hopefully for him, he gets acclimated to the defensive end a little bit faster. He himself said in the training cram interviews that he felt like his offense got in the way of his defense um, um, because he got frustrated with the scoring and that could be it. Um, but also, you know, he's not quick enough sometimes. And also, if you watch the games, he has a lot of kind of like brain farts on defense. So that's going to his head in, but I don't really have anything else to to talk about with Evan Fournier in regards to projections for him. And it kind of is what it is with him. Yeah. So 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 let's get into somebody else a little more fun to project. And we'll go from Evan Fournier to Quentin Grimes. All right, so I meet me myself. I have a few questions when it comes to Grimes. One, besides, will he start over Fournier? Two, can he stay healthy? Because now I'm starting to get concerned. Now I'm starting to get a little bit concerned because we already know. I've told you, health can prevent you from getting better from season to season, and he's shown that he's he's a workhorse. You saw him working on defensive slides. Who posts defensive slides on the Instagram? Like, you, you gotta love this kid, right? <laughs> but for him to, to reach his potential, he has to stay healthy. But one of the other things I really wanna see is, can he be more of a playmaker? Uh, can he stay efficient at three-point line with a bigger role? And can he, he's played great defense, but can he clean up little things like, you know, helping off of three pointers and getting more adjusted to guarding bigger threes? Can you, can he take a step in that regard? And if he can, I think Quentin Grimes could be a big addition for us. Um, yeah. Lee, what do you think about Lee and his projection with the Knicks? I mean, it's, this is year two. I think that there's a lot of promise shown his rookie year. I, I think that's why I pumped the brakes a little bit on him not starting uh, this season is that he's still a sophomore in the NBA. I mean, Cam Reddish, there's more of a, a precedent for him to be the starter and more of a fear on my part for him to finally get a chance because Reddish, I believe, is coming in on year three or four. He's, I think he's the same as Luca. So maybe it's year five. I can't remember. Uh, what, what year it was, but there's more of a, a thing of a intensity on Reddish getting that opportunity. Grimes, there's still a lot of room for improvement and a lot of time for him to meet that improvement. Um, during the summer league, the thing I was wanting to see the most was him take over games. We saw that. Unfortunately, 
I think a lot of that was from a three-point shooting. He did show some off-the-dribble three-point shooting, some sidesteps, some step-backs, hit with a hand in his face. Mm -hmm. I want to see a little more driving. The majority of his shots yeah. on offense were three-point shots almost every game. I wanted to see him get to the foul line more to have a chance to show what he can do and do some and-ones and attacking the basket with the left and right hand and traffic. Uh, that's something off the dribble I want to see a little bit more of. The defense is already at a pretty premier level for someone of his experience and injury history and a playing history in college where he wasn't always given minutes uh, when he first came into the collegiate level. So I think he's made some really great strides uh, playing in Houston. Kelvin Thompson should really help with that. He seems to have a really good fortitude mentally. Uh, so I have no no doubt that whatever little things he needs to clean up with, he'll attack that and, and get it done. Yeah. I think like it's it's crazy when you look at his numbers and his spot up shooting. Um, Coach talked about how Evan Fournier is our best three point shooter, but Grimes is like right behind him, like mm -hmm. on his heels. It's not like it's a landslide. I think what well, Evan is thirty nine percent, and Evan Fournier. I mean, Evan Fournier is thirty nine percent, and Quentin Grimes is thirty nine percent, and Quentin kind of he shoots at a high volume too. He shot eight per game in college and hit 40%. So I expect that to be this, the same result in New York. The thing he does have to work on is the movement shooter shooting, like um, Lee said. I think Evan has the edge with that. Evan has a knack of like getting that brush stream from Julius Randle and shooting three and it's all good and it's all net. And I think if Grimes can add that to his game, um, it's really going to close the gap for for Grimes and this Knicks team in in terms of production and what you're getting from Evan Fournier versus Quentin Grimes. Um, what do you think about Grimes' potential, Mr. Raw Metaphor? I always have looked at him as Allen Houston 2.0, and yes. I still do. And so I'm thinking, you know, like I said, I believe cream rises to the top. Uh, it's just a matter of time, whether, I mean, as, um, as Leah alluded to, you know, maybe we're, you know, pushing him a little quick for us. This is year two. Um, but it could be, it's, it's, it could be this year. It could be second half of this year, next year, at some point, he's the future at the two guard spot. So it's just a question of when, when is he going to take over the mantle? Are we going to get some run out of Evan Fournier this year? As I said, uh, we talked about this off camera, but I really believe Fournier would be tremendous coming off the bench if we started Grimes. But again, you know, I, I just feel it's a matter of time. And and like you, I'm a little concerned because he hurt himself last year. Mm -hmm. And now he's starting off this year with his off foot already. So I'm a little concerned about that. We've seen that story before. So let's hope that he's going to be all right. And like you said, the Knicks have a history of hiding players' injuries and, you know, and, and not, not bringing out all of what's going on until yeah. later. So... Let's just see, you know, hopefully it's a mild thing and then he comes through. But if, if if healthy, I feel like he's going to play his way not only into the rotation, but eventually into the starting lineup. And and I think Evan Fournier's natural fit is off the bench and, and he's going to be tremendous coming. He's going to be Kyle Corper coming off the bench for us. So I like that. And so I'm thinking I'm thinking eventually he'll take over. I just don't know when yet. Yeah. Say what say you, Ryan? Yeah, so I'm going to start off my response by responding to somebody in the chat because, you know, he asked a question regarding, you know, the Knicks, depending on Evan's defense for, I mean, as an, I mean, Evan's offense for three quarters and then, you know, having him sit and then depend on somebody else in the fourth quarter. I think it was Orlando Santos that said that, that asked me that question. Well, 
first and foremost, Evan, the Knicks are not going to be dependent on Evan's offense because the Knicks have several players who can score the ball. Right. Evan, Evan's going to mainly be on the court to space the floor and hit those open threes when he gets them and also provide a little bit of playmaking as well because last season he did show that on occasion he can set up you know his other teammates for open shots and the reason why I'm not worried about starting Fournier and then having somebody else replace him going late into the fourth quarter is because of the guy we're talking about right now Grimes because like JL has said Fournier shoots the three at a high clip, but Grimes also shoots the three at a high clip. So right there, you're not really missing anything from a shooting perspective. You're going to still get a guy who is just as efficient shooting the threes. But on top of that, he actually provides defense, which Fournier does not provide. That's right. Not with Grimes. Um, I think Lee pretty much said everything when he broke down Grimes' game. You know, defensively, he's already top-notch as it is. For a second-year player, he's already up there. Offensively, he does need to improve with the playmaking. He's not there as of yet. And also, off the dribble as well, he does need to improve, even though he did show flashes of it during the summer league, that he has improved that part of his game. Yeah. So, overall, yeah, the injuries might be a concern, but I'm not too worried. You know, still early in his career, I'm hoping that, you know, it's, it's, it's just like nigs and nags, <laughs> you know, where it's like he's only out for like a short period of time and then he comes back. It's not nothing long term. But overall, like I expect Grimes to come into this season showcasing pretty much what he showed in the summer league and hopefully eventually dethroning Fournier for that starting two position. But I think Grimes will be okay this season. Like I'm expecting a lot from him going into the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just bring the defense and it should, it should be all good, all be good, man. Everything else will fall into place. But work work on these numbers. Work on that short mid. But eh, just, just get to the rim, hit your threes, and play defense and make plays. And, mm-hmm. and I'll be happy. I don't really care that much about the short mid, really. Even though it's, it's blue over there. As long as everything else is orange, I'm, I'm fine. And the defense is good. That's all we really need. It's to cover Jalen Brunson's defense. That's all we really need because Jalen Brunson's defense he's, he's not that good on the pick and roll surprisingly Jalen Brunson is okay with his isolation defensive numbers surprisingly when I looked them up mm-hmm. but um he plays we, good you saying his numbers look good as far as what uh, um a, a, a man-to-man defender yeah as a man-to-man defender um where I was looking up Jalen Brunson's numbers it actually was way higher mm, okay. than I expected um he's scrappy he's a scrappy dude you know he's scrappy. Yeah, I, I think it was something like eighty-five percent, and I'm going off of memory, but mm-hmm. I think it was something crazy like eighty-five percent, eighty-fifth percentile in isolation defense. But uh, he struggled more on the pick and roll defense when I was looking at Jalen Brunson's numbers. Mm-hmm. So um, in that regard, Grimes might have to cover him. But I mean, I, th- I think it's going to happen. I think Grimes is going to eventually take the spot, no matter whatever Tips just said. But mm-hmm. I, but what's get Riz really? Really get into their nitty gritty. Before we get into nitty gritty too, if you want to join the conversation at some point, you see that number 319-527-6241. That's 319-527-6241. If you want to call in and talk Knicks. And shout out to Inter Knicks verse um who's rocking with us tonight. Shout out to you guys. Great show over there. Shout out to Jason M, Orlando Santos, Fritz Alessantor. 
uh, everybody else is rocking the KT show. Shout out to shout out to guy JT Reddick as well. Picks for Timmy Shells Heavy, uh, Jay Cruz. Everybody who's rocking with us. Shout out to you guys, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you shout immensely. Into Pittsburgh, man. Another great Latino content creator covering the Knicks. Love that guy over there. Been a long time fan. Absolutely, yeah, he, he does, does a great job he over there. He does good. He does good stuff, man. For real, definitely does a great job. Yeah, it's a humor too. Absolutely, absolutely. So shout shout to Anthony Nick first. A lot of great content creators out here. All right, um, let's get to the nitty gritty. Pretty gritty. Thing. Let's go. Who do y'all want to talk about? Because. There's been this OB versus Randall thing all summer, and I want to get to the bottom of it tonight, okay? All right. Let's get to it. Julius Randall. Julius Randall comes into media day smiling, cheery, losing weight. I feel like during his press conferences, there was like, yeah, we ever watched Disney where you see like the birds chirping behind Disney princess because they're like so happy. <laughs> I feel like I saw birds chirping behind Julius Randall. I have not seen this much of Julius Randall's teeth all last season. And you have to look at the guy and go, okay, he had a great vacation. And he said it. He said, I, I, I needed some time. I need some time away from the game. I was on vacation. I feel better. And he's reflected now. And 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 he looks like he lost weight. And and looks like this he has his perspective. And hopefully he comes back bigger, better than last year. Uh but here here here's my questions for Julius Rand. Some of my biggest ones, anyway. The first one. Can Julius Randle learn to take a smaller role? And the second one, I have more, but can Julius Randle adjust to playing more off ball? Cause he was horrible at it last year. Um, and also it seems like he knows he needs to work on it. Cause he talked about in training camp, how everybody worked in that same spot and they all worked on their shooting, but for me, for this team to be successful, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett has to get better. So I'm gonna keep this off to Ryan. Ryan, what do you feel about Julius Randle this season? Do you think he can adjust to taking a smaller role or even just shooting in general? Go ahead. Okay. Julius Randle. So I'll say this. I'm not really the type of person where I hold grudges, you know, and be like, okay, you know what? Last year he was on this type of time. You know, he had this kind of attitude. So I'm done with him and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Would I have minded if Julius Randle was traded in the offseason? Of course not. I wouldn't have minded it at all. But since he is here, and since he's coming into the season with a positive attitude, it seems like he's smiling, he's cheerful. It seems like he got his mind right. I want him to give him another chance. And will he? Now, it remains to be seen if he if he's willing to take a smaller role. But I will say this: 
I think throughout Julius Randle's career, I cannot recall him really playing with a legit point guard like that. Not a point guard with the not the point guard of caliber of Jalen Brunson quickly rolls all these guys together. So Julius Randle is going to be more ball, and I feel like that's more to his skill set because he's not a point forward. He's not the type of guy where he can have the ball in his hands and create for other players and at the same time create his own shot. He does need a point guard that will help him to get the shot that he wants. So me personally being an optimist about it, I feel like he will adjust to playing with a point guard and playing without the ball in his hands just for the simple fact that they will help him to get the shots that he wants and the shots that he can actually hit and produce. So I think with a point guard on his side, he'll adjust to it. And I'm hoping that he can get back to some semblance of what he was during his all-star year and be a productive player for the Knicks. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to give the guy another chance. That's it. Ryan forgives him. Raw Hebrew remnant. Do you believe in Julius Randle's floaters? Respond. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you one thing. I don't believe in his spin moves. I'll tell you that much. All right. All right. Look here. I think the Julius Randle situation for this season is different from any other season that he has played in in this respect. It started with, to me, with the Derrick Rose comments. Mm. When Derrick Rose said, that's right. When Derrick Rose (laughs) said, you got to be held accountable. You can't get in your feelings. We all know, and I hate to speak for everybody, but I think most of us understand. Oh, yeah. He was directing that comment at one Julius Randle. And I think Randle caught that. That, to me, sets a tone because... You're already he you're already put on notice. D Rose is gonna be up in your behind. You know Jalen Brunson is. And you also know now RJ, you guys remember it was RJ's first year. When Julius Randall's first year with the Knicks. I don't know if that was RJ's first year or, or is that was, was. okay. Was. So a couple of one time kind of told the story that season. RJ runs down the floor, he's he's clapping for the ball. And Julius dribbled into a double team and turned it over. Mm. RJ didn't say anything because he was a rookie. RJ's no longer a rookie. That's a fact. So I'm saying between RJ, between Jalen Brunson, between Derrick Rose, they will hold Julius Randle accountable. And as I think it was Ryan just mentioned, he's first prime, he's playing with leaders at the point guard spot because now you got Derrick Rose and you got Jalen Brunson. These are leaders. And RJ's now, I saw from, from this whole week, one of the things that came away from me is RJ's now the face of the franchise, period. So now Julius de facto takes a backseat to all of that. If he doesn't, somebody's going to tell him about it. Oh, Nobody's oh, going to be happened? quiet this year and let him do that. Right. Nobody's going to be quiet this year and let him just go off like that. So that gives me confidence that he's going to play better. And that, that that's why I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, yeah. Now, the end of the year, give me confidence. Go ahead, Lee. Look, you want to say something? Man, do I? All right, I, I break it down between, on one hand, there's what I want, my preference, and the other is the situation we're in. My preference, 
I wrote a piece last week for Post and Toasting, Three Reasons Why Joey Randall Needs to Get the Hell Out of New York. <laughs> <laughs> the, main, the, the main reason is because of Tom Thibodeau and their relationship. It's a symbiotic, toxic relationship. They enable each other and bring out the worst qualities symbiotic. of each other. That's Tom, like some Marvel Tom, superhero Venom stuff. He's absolutely right about that. He's, he's right. absolutely right about that. Thibodeau is not a bad coach. He's a good coach with bad tendencies and bad habits. Joyce Randall is a very good player with bad tendencies and bad habits, and they enable you the, the worst in each other. Now, that's my preference. We're in the situation where Leon Rose seems committed to Joyce Randall. He reiterated that commitment in a sit-down in interview with Alan Hawk. So if Joyce Randall is on the team, the quote that stuck out to me the most is when he actually said something that I've heard Nick fans say on Twitter, which means he's paying attention. As we know he is on a burner on his, on his official, and that was it's easy to be the king when things are going well. Woo. It's harder when you're losing. He said that in that first press conference, and made me realize that he is at least somewhat self-aware of the position that he took last season when the fans turned against him. Not because he's a bad person, or because of what he wore that day in the tunnel, but the play that he had, the court, and the effort he put forth on defense, being the first one back in transition. And those are the type of things I think we're going to see a turnaround this season. But shooting deficiencies probably be closer last year than they were the year before. I think that was a total anomaly, shooting over 40% from three. I think we did really down to the real metrics of him as a shooter. We're going to see maybe at average, lead average, or slightly above, probably from two-point range, free throw. But it's the attitude and the effort being the first one back on defense, not missing assignments, talking to each other and communicating on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to win the New York fan base back. If he doesn't do that, put a boot up his ass and get him out of Madison Square Garden. Lee has spoken. You had to go there with the boot. That was a little low, but you didn't have to do the boot. That was a little much. I'm but I get the point. I get the point. You had to be extra. You had to be dramatic. I got you. I got you. I got you. Every chat everywhere. The same thing. <laughs> oh, shoot. But uh, here's the thing. I'm with both. I'm with all you guys, right? First, I'm with all you guys. Um... There was pictures of RJ looking at Julius Randle in the huddle. And I don't know if I'm looking at it with like in my weird brain or an actuality brain, but in times it looked like RJ was looking at him in disgust. Like, bro, are yep. you really hogging real? the ball like and not like giving really? up right now? Exactly. And then like exactly. I felt like I felt that energy. And I I I was elated that it seemed like the Knicks were transitioning from Julius Randle heavy basketball into an RJ-centric offense last season. And I hope that is the trend. Um, and I hope that is so more so with Jalen Brunson. I feel like it should be Jalen and RJ kind of splitting the duties or maybe slightly more Jalen. And then Julius getting some off-ball type of stuff and maybe if there's like some crazy mismatch where he's taking advantage of and got a rolling, he gets the ball that way. That's the, what I think it should really happen. But I agree. I agree. Um, I think it might be the easiest here for him to stay in line because there might be more leaders on the team, homegrown or Jalen Brunson. Um, which brings me to another question for you guys. I've kind of turned the page on trades, but I heard Ian kind of talk about like that. There's like a 40% chance that a trade can happen. So 
I have questions. Like one question is, can Randall rehab his image and actually learn to play off ball and improve his shooting? But on top of that, my secondary question is if he does improve, are we still looking to move him at that point? Cause it works or are we moving on? Any, any of y'all can jump in in this one. If whoever, I, I, whoever I, feels I, I the spirit. I was listening to what Lee said about Leon Rose's interview and I caught it a little different because he was, to me, he's like the used car salesman telling you the car is running good as new. It looks great, blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about Julius Randle. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, he just wants to up his value. And then Ian, uh, not Ian, um, Allen asked him, you know, the 21 draft picks, are we still, is the shop still open? Is the, you know, what do we do? Yep. So I'm like, okay, yep. I know that he's always open to, you know, like next summer, if some superstar breaks loose or the year after that, I think it's two years that he has the, the draft capital to get something done. But I'm also thinking that he, I, I think he's, I think if Julius Randle plays well this year, see, because, and the reason I say that I think they trade him is because, okay, listen to us. He's got to have the right head, right? We're looking for leaders to help him. Why we got to go through all that? Why we yeah. got to go through all that? Yeah. I mean, Obi's the future. So I'm not saying Obi's better than him, but he's definitely got a better attitude. I, I, you don't have to worry about Obi's attitude. So that's all I'm saying. And, and you can play Hartenstein behind Obi at the four if you want. You can play Cam at small ball four if you yeah. want. I'm not, you know, and I'm saying, I'm thinking they're brushing up him, uh, Julius, that is. And the minute he looks like all star Julius, they're going to trade. I think that's what's going to happen. Hmm. I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I do think Rose is committed and understands that that Julius Randle resigning the extension contract he gave him, that was his first really big move. And I think the, the team that he inherited, you've seen him slowly phase those guys out. And Randall is someone I think that he's concentrated on as someone that he's put his name on and his stamp on is saying, this is my move. And he's all invested on making sure that that asset reaps some kind of value. That's now right. that value could also be trade value, but Randall has to make that trade or create that trade value before he can actually get a good return for it. Uh, one thing Leon Rose is going to do, he ain't going to sell low. That's right. He's going to make sure that once that trade happens, it's going to be because he's getting at least one and a half first round picks back. Half being the other one is protected, maybe top 10 or top 15. I hope no matter what, good season, bad season in between, I hope by the trade deadline, Julius Randle is traded because at the very least, it just means Obi Toppins unleashed. All of us love Obi Toppins. It's probably the one thing that fans are all united on, even ones that like and believe in Julius Randle, is we all love Obi Toppin. Right. And I think that that trade is worth it just for that alone. That's right. Man, listen, I mean, I've been perusing the YouTube Nick Streets. Not everybody's all in an Obi Toppin. I'm, I'm gonna let no, you not know. Everybody is. It's not, not like everybody. that. It, it, the hive no, has I been divided. There, there, there is a Randall hive. He got people like you know polishing up them nut sex, but <laughs> <laughs> I still think you still got the majority of explanation for Obi. <laughs> the oh man, we we went here today, boy. We went there today. Oh, Raw's man. back, baby. Raw's back. Raw's <laughs> back. Y'all wanted Raw. Y'all got Raw. Raw's called Raw for a reason. All right. Raw takes Raw facts. Raw uncut. 
I was gonna throw something in there. Like, I know a lot of people might not like what I'm about to say, but I think it's gonna prove through to this upcoming season because I don't know if the Knicks are really hell bent on moving Randall, to be honest. And I think it's going to depend a lot on how Obi shows out this season. Boom. Ryan, read my brain right now, Ryan. Yeah, because if <laughs> Obi doesn't show out this season and say, for example, Julius Randle is playing good, I don't think the Knicks are going to be willing to trade Julius Randle just for the hope that, you know, Obi's going to get more minutes and he's going to produce the way that they expect him to produce. Like, I think Obi's going to have to show within his minutes that he's ready for the role. And I think if Obi shows that, and at the same time, Julius Randle actually ups his value, I think that's when the Knicks are going to be like, you know what? It's time to pass the torch. Right. It's easy to trade Julius Randle out, so let's trade Julius Randle, then Obi moves in. But if Obi doesn't show that he's ready for the position, Julius Randle, that's going to still be Julius Randle's position. I agree. Like, I whether the Knicks that. fans like it or not. I agree. Yeah, I agree. You I know, agree. I'm just I'm just thinking de facto Obi's going to show out. That's all. I mean, but that Ryan makes an excellent point because if Obi doesn't, if Obi takes a step back, then they're going to keep Julius Randle. But I got a question. I got a question for, for, for Ryan. What do you think Obi needs to show out? Because we know he has like the the attitude. He's got the effort. He's got the athleticism. He runs a court. What else do you think he needs to show in those 12 or 15 minutes that Thibs give him? Let's hope it's at least 12. Um, what do you think? It, what, what attributes do you think he needs to show? I just think it's more so what he showed towards the end of last season, if he can build on that, because he showed towards the end of last season that he can, that there's a lot to his game and that he can be a productive player on the court for the Knicks. And a lot of times last season, he did show that he meshes well, he meshes better with the team than Julius Randle does at times. So I think he has shown last season that he's capable of stepping into that starting role. He just needs to, he just needs to build on that. Like if he's, if he's, if he plays similarly, if he plays similarly to way, to the way he played last season towards the end of the season and adds on top of that, then I think it's going to get to a point where the Knicks are going to be like, yeah, Obi is ready because he's shown consistent play. You know, I think Obi has yet to show consistent play throughout a whole season. You know, he's shown glimpses. Now it's his time to be consistent. I think once he shows that he's consistent, then that's when the Knicks are going to be like, you know what? We, we, have a, we have a young stud here in Obi. He's growing. He's blossoming. Yeah. Julius Randle's value is up because he's playing well. Okay, let's move Julius Randle and get back value for him because I don't think Leon Rose is just going to throw him away. Mm-hmm. you know, just I for think, anything. What do you think, Ryan? Ryan let, me, let me ask you a question, Ryan. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Obi is, is all for him, it's all about his confidence level though, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think he got more confident as the season yeah. went on and he played better. And and to me, from the interviews that I've seen with him this, this you know, this September here, this month, if it means anything, he just seems more confident to me. Yeah. Um, and if if that carries over... I think he's gonna he's gonna it's gonna bowl well for him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He he's definitely more confident. I'm I think I'm just speaking from a more realistic standpoint. Like you know, sometimes Knicks fans want to act like you know Leon is just gonna throw away Julius Randle for a back. Yeah, no, no, no. Obi's gonna move into the starting lineup. Like no, that's not gonna be the case. Like Obi's right. gonna have to continuously prove that he's ready. And then once he continuously proves that he's ready, then that's when the Knicks are gonna 
probably be like, you know what, now it's time to move Julius Randle since his value is up and actually get value back for him. Because I, I, I don't think Leon, want, Leon doesn't want to look like a fool. Right. You no, know, because he gave him that extension. So he's going to want value back for Randle. That's right. So, so once Randle gets back to a place where his value is up, then that's when Leon is going to move him once Obi shows that he's consistent and he's ready to step into that role. I think I some agree. of the things that he can come in and do, he's got to improve a three-point shot. I'd be more consistent, especially in the corners, so we can show he can add a different di- dynamic than Julius Randle can. The rebounding's got to improve too. It's he just doesn't have necessarily like the same knack. Randle's a very good rebounder. He's got to show a, a similar knack for the boards, not just on on the defense, but offense too, to where he's not just you know relying on on lobs and alley oops, but he's actually going after the offensive rebound, yeah. put, putting the ball floor doing a spin move no i shouldn't say spin move doing some type of move <laughs> in the post to show me he's been working on something with his handle over the summer those things have to improve in the, in the short um sample size that we get from him because that first year he would miss a defensive assignment and his entire game would just slow down because of his lack of confidence so yeah, yeah. I think you guys made some points on what we should be seeing year three yeah, like listen for Ob defense defensively is really really needs to work because as much as I love Ob and his potential offense, I do feel like the more he played, the more comfortably he got, um, the more he's able to kind of figure out the game and know where he can pick his spots. Um, I always talked about on this show he's a rhythm shooter, he's a rhythm guy, he's not a microwave guy. He's going to get his confidence through rhythm and through playing more, and you saw that. He saw that when he started to play more, he started to actually make some nice passes. He actually started to hit some some corner threes, three pointers in general, and he got comfortable and, and he was able to kind of leak out and get to the rim at a high rate and finish and score a few twenty point games. But for him, and even hit some mid range shots when he started to get comfortable, you start to see him actually try new things and expand his offensive game. So he needs time. But for Obi to stick, to really stick. The defensive side of the ball has to be worked on because that is still a, a tremendous weakness for him on top of the rebound. He likes to leak out a lot. You have to sometimes stay there and get the rebound, the offensive and defensive, right? Also, uh, stats for Obi Toppin. Isolation defense, bad, 36% percentile. Spot-up shooting, you know, bad too, 39% percentile. But I can see that going up with more reps. But here's the big thing, pick and roll, you know, one of the most most used plays in the league. Um, 47 percentile guarding the pick and roll ball handler, 11th percentile guarding the roll man. He has a lot of work to do um, on the defensive side of the ball. And it seems like he was doing that when talking. Uh, I saw him on content day and on content day, he was talking to Monica and he was talking about how he was working out with uh man, I forgot who he said he was working out with. He was working out with a shooter and with the LA Clippers. He's working out with Carl Anthony Towns. He's working out his game in the summer. What I thought was really important too is he actually went back to New York and kind of worked with Tom. And to me, that's the most important thing. Getting that one-on-one rapport with your coach. So you yeah. really can learn what do I need to do? What do I need to work on and go for tape and film? I think that's going to be more important than anything. And it's going to help his, help him on a defensive end. And he also well, said he was working on guarding one through five because Tom Thibodeau talked about it today. He's reluctant to play Julius Randle and Obi Toppin together 
And if Obi Tarkin can step up on a defensive end, um, he might be more willing to play around with the lineups, but he has to step up on defensive end for that to happen. I don't know. Lou, like you wanted to say something. I remember when we drafted on my dad and I, we watched the draft. We were real excited when they announced it. We didn't have to trade up to get him. And then I watched a lot of highlights from, from Dayton, and I just didn't see a whole lot of by putting the ball on the floor, scoring and face-up opportunities. There was so much in transition. There was so much wide-open dunks. I mean, he's an elite athlete. He's probably a top-ten athlete, maybe top-five in the yeah. NBA. It's unbelievable. But he doesn't have a whole lot of off-the-dribble handles to create in traffic and in the mid, especially in the mid-range. He's really got to work on his mid-range, not just attacking – but also a shot too. Um, that I want to see that more than anything. If he does that, there's no reason you can't keep on a bench if he's able to break this man down and store off a dribble. I I agree. I I agree. I agree to you all. But I mean, he can do it. He can do it. He just needs the time. Um, shout out, whole gunshots everybody in the chat. Um, thank you guys for watching. If you're loving the show so far, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. And trust me when I tell you. We have a big guest coming next week, and you're going to want to be here for that guest. Trust me. We got a question from Into Nickverse. He says, Nick Time Show, your brother, do you feel hopeful for this upcoming season? Describe hopeful. Um, do I feel like we might shock the world, like RJ Barrett said? Um, anything is possible. Um, but I, I, I feel like we're like a playing team. I kind of feel like that. Like every. The East is stacked. Shoot, even the West is stacked. And a lot of has to go right, right? For for me, I look at this team. We have a lot of young guys, which means we have a lot of potential, right? There's a lot of X factors when you have a lot of young guys. But when I also look at this coach, I know with his preference to play older players. Um, so the chances of seeing that potential come to fruition um, can be stifled with a coach who doesn't want to play younger players. So... I'm I'm a um I'm a little bit of a mixed bag. It really depends to me on how the coach plays this. I feel like we have the potential, but I have to see what the coach does because I'm really high on guys like IQ, OB, Grimes, and Cam, and and I'm kind of hopeful on Julius, but I'm not hopeful that Tom will do the right thing if Julius goes off the rails. That's just me personally. All right, um, I know we got a caller. Shout out to my guy Jason M. Um, I know you've been waiting for a long time. Thanks for calling in. If you guys want to call, uh, the number is on that little graphic that flashes at the bottom. It should be 319-527-6241. What's going on, Jason? Yeah, there's a, there's a crazy echo only in Utah. So. What, what'd you say? Oh, it's an echo, but it's only when you were speaking when I was on the phone. Only on the phone, not on YouTube. YouTube is fine. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So, what's up, fellas? How's everyone doing? Good, man. Good, man. We chill. Oh, I think I only hear you now, unless somebody else is talking. Okay, I think the sound is weird, but go ahead. All right. So, you guys actually said a lot of what I was going to say about Randall and Toppin. Because I agree a thousand percent with what Ryan said that if Randall plays well, the Knicks are not just going to move him. It really depends on how well Obi plays. And what he needs to show, which you guys already said, was shooting, 
because people forget that there was a point last year where teams were leaving him wide open yeah. and he was scared to shoot and he shot, he shot a lot of air balls. He got better towards the end of the season. Let's see if he carry that on regular season because if he can't shoot, I don't know if he can play. Facts. The other thing is defense. And a lot of, and like, it's, it's, you said it, pick and roll defense. Like, if, let's say the Knicks salary dumped Randall, right? Would you feel comfortable? How do we, would you feel comfortable in the first game playing against Memphis that John Morant won't attack Obi Top in every play and potentially get him in foul trouble in the first two minutes of the game? Like, he has, look, he needs to play more. But when he plays more, he has to show that too. And if he does that, then, yeah, I think they'll move Randall, but he has to show that before they try to move Randall. That's all I'll say. I agree. I mean, I agree. What I, what I feel comfortable, I would say um, I would roll with it. I would roll with it. I'm not sure if I feel 100% comfortable, but I will say this. Um, what Obi lacks in technique, he does kind of show effort. Like, I've seen Obi get beat and recover. You know, like I've seen him get beat a lot and recover and get a block or bother a shot. So I know bare minimum, he's going to give effort. He just needs to work on technique. So I feel like sometimes I just kind of feel like the more he plays, the more he'll be able to adjust to that. And but I also feel on the offensive end, though, on the offensive end, for sure, I feel like he has a chance to actually fit the games of Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett and Quentin Grimes more on the offensive end. I think that's actually a real possibility. Um, but I do agree that defensively is still uh, a shaky point. Um, and low key, we do get on Randall for not being like a defensive guy, but uh, his defensive numbers have been pretty good as well. I mean, at least on the pick and roll side, not so much on the isolation side. So, but um, Obi Toppin, like you said, definitely has to work on that side. Yeah, because well, Randall, the one thing that Randall does really well on defense, he's really good at switching. Like, when he has to guard a guard, he's really good at it. Uh, it's like, I wish Tim did it more because he's terrible at actually, like, playing pick and roll defense, like, dropping and all that. He can't do it. But if you switch him, he actually does pretty well. But the other thing I was just going to say is, I'm like, you guys know at the end of last year, I wanted the tips on. I'm going to give kids a clean slate this year. I'm going to give him the first 20, 25 games. Most of the reason why I was so mad at him last year is because he didn't change when we all knew the season was pretty much over. Yeah. And I think this year, if he gets to that point, he'll just be fired. So it's not like, if he gets to the point where the season is not going anywhere, I don't think he'll, it'll be his decision to change anyway. Yeah. Nah, I, I agree and with like, you. But the red line for me is Obi needs to play at least 20 minutes a game. I don't care how you do it. He needs at least 20 minutes a game. It can't be no 15. He needs 20 minutes a game. As long as he gets 20 minutes a game and Grimes is playing, I'll be fine. I mean, I'm not going to say, I, and then we'll just see how we do. But cause every every fan is going crazy right now. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. And this is why fans are kind of reacting emotionally to th- him not even considering playing Obi and, and Randall together because all the fans know, like, shoot. If they don't play together, what is the chance that he does even sniff 20 minutes a game? Like, it's looking really bleak. So, like, everybody's kind of up in arms that uh, about a wasted pick. Like, and I, like, 
there's there's players who go to other teams and they blossom and they really show who they really are and it's a high probability that that can be overtopping for us i know we always talk about uh knicks who leave us and play better somewhere else I feel like Obi Toppin has the potential to be one of those guys where that one will be talked about for a long time, you know, like, <laughs> like he goes somewhere else and just starts dropping 20 and eight. I can see that happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for real. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. But, um, the other thing I'll say, this will be the last thing is like with Randall and how he should play this year. I agree that he should play more off ball, but I think fans are taking it too far. Like he shouldn't be like, Draymond Green or Obi Toppin, like where, like where he's always passing constantly. Like I feel like he should be a mix of what he was like two years ago and kind of like what Obi Toppin does. Like it shouldn't be that he only passes the ball. He only he never plays on ball. I think they should share usage. Tim Brunson and RJ, they should all have a similar usage. I don't think he should just become like I don't know this complete off ball passer guy. Like I feel like they all three they need each other. All three of them. Uh- uh, I don't know if I really agree with that. I don't know if I really agree with that. I, 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 I still think the high turnover rate to me is an indication that he needs to not have the ball in his hands, especially when it comes right. to the fourth quarter. Um, right. that little post up, and that could be Randall's. That could be Randall, or that could be Tibbs. But uh, I, I think the fourth quarter execution when the game's in tight, especially we don't need Randall to have the ball in that. I just see, I have not seen the yeah, success the, outside of the the dream. Yeah, but that's because every play they just give him the ball. Like I'm not I'm not saying give him the ball every play. I'm saying you know share the ball, but I'm saying don't have him just never have the ball. Like that's what I feel like a lot of fans want. They want him to never have the ball and just have RJ and, and Brunson always have the ball. I'm saying no, no. Uh, the they don't. They don't no, I'm not saying he, he shouldn't have the ball all the time at the end of the game. Definitely, he not. shouldn't be dribbling the ball up the court and setting yeah, up the offense. I think people going too far with it. Like they like, they want him to be like I don't know, like some like I don't even know, like some crazy off ball guy who only yeah. does set picks and like pops <laughs> up. Like, got you, got he's you. He's gonna do, do some ball moving. That's all I'm saying. Understood, understood. Yo, yo, thanks for calling, man. We're gonna talk about what you just said. And absolutely, man. Good to hear from you, dog. All right. Sorry, I have to kind of Yeah, I don't the... think I think that's a little bit extreme. I don't think nobody's expecting him never to touch the ball, but I think he's not gonna be dribbling the ball up and setting up the offense. He shouldn't be doing that. That should be, you know, that should be every three other guys at least, you know, but not him. So he, he should get the basketball a lot, but get it in percentage areas where he's really effective. And I think that's where Brunson's going to help him. I agree. I agree. Yes. I, I, but I think what he's saying, though, which I don't agree with, is all of them should have the ball at equal usage. I don't agree no, with that. No, definitely not. no, no. Definitely Hell not. no. Hell no. <laughs> no. Hell no. Not Randall. Randall, that's the whole problem. He's been, he, he, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. And I don't agree no. with that at all. Like, no. sometimes. But, like, it should be a pecking order to me. It should be right. Brunson, RJ, Brunson, RJ, then Randall in my eyes. Yeah, right, some combination right. or or RJ Brunson Randall, but it shouldn't be three equal slices of a pie to me. No. But there's a big difference between Randall bringing the ball up and then catching the top of the key and setting up a play. 
Right. Like, there's right. a huge difference there. And I, I'm okay with him operating the half court. He's a decent facilitator in the half court. No, yeah. Spots. yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah. we saw so many times when Albert Burtz or Kimba was out there, he took control of the ball and brought it up from oh. one side of the court to the other. And it so often led to a turnover because yes. what player is not going to come a, a trap that and try right. to knock the ball out of his hands? He's Lonzo Ball made a fool out of him. Lonzo yeah. Ball made a fool out of him in Chicago, man. I, it just. I actually believe the opposite. I feel like on a fast break, if he gets the rebound, I'm more confident in him, like, you know, grabbing the rebound and going. And then if nothing is there, give it to Jalen Brunson and, or RJ and set up the offense. I feel like it I should be diverse. On that one, bro. Hmm? I think you're solo on that one. I'm not comfortable with him. Yeah, leading. no, I mean, I don't want him leading the break. Uh-uh. If he has rebound, I've, I've seen him at his best. When Randall was running to me last year. That's when I feel like he was at his best when he was running. Hold your breath. If he takes more than three dribbles, hold your breath. He might lose it. I feel like he gets more in trouble when he um, is posting up. He's posting up or he's at top of the key holding the ball and the defense keys keys in on him and he tries to spin move. I feel like that's when he gets in more trouble. No, yeah. I mean, but yeah, yeah, but in terms of him, like, but there's been also times where he got the ball at the top of the key and got rid of it or made a move. And when he does yeah. that, he's extremely effective. I mean, Agreed. he's extremely, he's at his best at that position. But, you know, and he can sometimes lead a break, but it's always like you, you're holding your breath because, you know, you don't know if he's going to dribble into a double team, or if he's just going to turn it over, he's going to dribble right. it off his foot. If he if he just needs to give that rock up and, and get it to somebody that can run the break. But um, in the half court, yes, he does sometimes do does the spin move. But now, because of who he's got with him, I feel like if he could just make a decision with the ball within two seconds, he's going to be really good. He's going to be really good. Oh, his two-man game with Fournier oh, yeah. was badass last yeah, season. He's going to be really good. That he, was a great one-two punch. He yeah. always found Fournier for open threes. That was the one thing that I thought he could do well, was screen for Fournier and Fournier's shoe. But outside of that, um, double team, yeah. I don't know, it was catch and go. For, it was touch and go for me, personally. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, he did the same thing with Reggie Bullock when he was on the team. They had a good two-man game going, and I, and at the end of last year, Thibodeau alluded to this. Him and Fournier were finding a little rhythm. I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be all right. I just, it, it's to me, the key is Brunson and RJ and D Rose taking a proper leadership roles and not allowing him to just get away with that crap, not enabling him. Right. You know, I think he has to. Uh, he has to play off the ball more. That's what I think. I think he has to cut. Yeah. I feel like for sure he has to cut more because he hasn't really done that. Kind of just stays there, is away for the jumper. I just, I, but I don't know. That's just me. That's just me. S- salute to the chat. Yeah. No, I just want to throw in one one thing right quick. Go ahead. I do. Agree with the, I do want to agree with you on one thing though, because Julius Randle, when it comes to bringing the ball up the court, I much rather him on the fast break because on the fast break the defense is not organized. And Julius Randle has more space to dribble. And then when Julius Randle gets a full head of steam towards the basket, he's definitely highly effective at finishing at the rim. Where Julius Randle gets in trouble is when he brings the ball up the court and the defense is already organized. Exactly. Right. Yeah, That's yeah. where Julius Randle gets he's, in trouble. So I, I'll, I'll agree with Jay on that point. He's throwing that away. That's right. Yeah, I agree with that. He can sometimes run the break. Thank you, Ron. Come on back. <laughs> appreciate it yo salute to the chat man if you're enjoying this show man these likes this likes a light man uh 119 chat 82 likes let's get these likes up and we, we got more to talk about and we also going to talk about the big guests that's going to be coming to the show pretty soon 
So salute to you guys in the chat. Shout out to Boston Nick. He supports like every Knicks content creator known to man. Shout out to you, Benjamin Suttles, uh, Van Allen, and S, East Blue Drew. Everybody else is rocking with the KOT show. Next caller up, we got my man Silver Analytics, aka Reaper. What's going on? Hey, thank you guys for taking my call. How are you guys doing tonight? All right. Cool. Yeah, actually, um, I, you know, I think I agree with uh, you guys. Made a lot of great points today. Just one thing about the Julius, like Julius Randle on defense. I know we've been uh, Jay. We've been going a little back and forth on the stats, mm-hmm. and it's like the, the NBA.com stats. Like one thing I would say is like the defensive stat is a little misleading because of the way they tabulate a lot of it. For example, with Randall, I think his stats are better than it should be because if you guys remember Randall, he just won't make an effort, right? He'll just let his man go right by right. or just let his man go right down the court. So what happens is because, you know, he just let his man go, and let's say Grimes happens to be under the basket, that basically that stat goes, on, goes to Grimes, right? And so that you know, that is not going to go to Julius. So sometimes the fact that he doesn't make an effort, right? you know, it's just like, it's like his stats are going to look good. So if he's only playing defense when he wants to, uh, you know, when he's challenged, if he's only going to challenge shots when he wants to, then his stats are going to look good. But, you know, so I think that's a big part of it, why his stats look, you know, it seems like he's got such a, he plays such great defense. And that's so basically the eye test isn't really matching up to what we see on Sometimes. Right. Uh, I mean, that's more specific. There's like isolation defensive stats, his pick and roll stats. But then there's third, there's things like team defense where like you can overplay and not help out, or you can, you know, not get back on defense. Those type of stats are kind of like hard to quantify. I haven't really seen like not get up back on defense stat, you know. <laughs> but if there was one, <laughs> that might be that might be the 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 stat where he be lose at. You know what I mean? Or the non-closeout that yeah, stat, you know, the like the non-closeout three stat that like, we don't see those stats a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's true. That's true. But just getting to what we've been seeing lately with the uh, with the, you know these press conferences after the uh, uh, after these practices. I mean, honestly, it started with that the first press conference they did with Monica McNutt. I think the order says it all. Like the order that you know they did the uh, interviews in, RJ, Jalen Brunson, um, uh, then it was Randall, then Obi, uh, and then after that, I think who did they have? I think it was in uh, Derrick Rose maybe first, or was it uh, Mitch Rob? I can't remember. But the yeah, order basically those are four the pretty first much four, of the game. Yeah, main guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, those those first four. That's who they feel as the main guys. But you guys are like obviously have already picked up that it looks like he's going to be playing off ball a lot more this year, and even the way Jalen Brunson has been talking, he's the one who's been doing a little more talking about like you know, um, I don't know, just just the vibe the way Jalen Brunson has been talking and what the coaches said and you kind of mixing in with what Julius is saying. It looks like he's going to be the third option, or he's going to be just like they're going to be like Julius cut. You no, know? <laughs> so, right? Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. My only worry so is that Jalen Brunson doesn't uh, f- fall back too much. That's my only kind of because he seems like the you know let me let them get theirs type, and I want him to be able to take a little bit more control. And but it does seem like Julius is more willing to work walk work off ball this season. That's what I got. 
Yeah, I think you know what I think. I think uh, you know when they discuss when they talk about uh, Tiz was talking about how one of the things Jalen is really good at is basically giving what the team needs. Like Jalen, he's he's really good at like you know uh, he's one of those kind of players. I mean, when you have he's one of those kind of guards that's able to actually control the offense pretty well, mm-hmm. and so he knows basically a lot of times if if he knows the offense needs a little scoring, he's going to do it. And if we're going to struggle with efficiency again this year, I, I think I don't think he's going to just sit back and let and sit, you know, sit back like that. I think he's going to. Uh, I think he'll step up. I hope you know, so. If we struggle, if we start to struggle with efficiency, I hope so. so. But I, that's you know, I, I hope so, man. I, I definitely hope so. Yo, salute to you, Grim Reaper, man. Yo, thanks for calling. Thanks for all the support too. All right, thanks, guys. All right. Shout out to the Reaper. Shout out to the Reaper. And, and Fritz, I think we can take more calls if you like uh, delete the file and then sign back in. But uh, but uh, we, I'll show you how to do that later if you can't figure it out. All right. But let's, let's move it along. Shout out to Uncle Fulio. I, I saw he was in the chat. Somebody mentioned anyway. Shout out to you, man. Thanks for, for dropping in. Um, He says, and he says uh, people should embrace Randall as a point forward. That's what makes him different than any player at his position. That's literally where he... Um, where it got him to all NBA. Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's like it's it's the gift and the curse. Like I I don't feel Julius Randle has Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. I don't think Julius Randle has natural passing abilities. Like he can't break down a defense and what's going on in the motion and make the right pass. I just feel like he's been able to draw defenses and then draw a double and kick it out. Draw a double and kick it out. Or brush screen pass. He's not like Jason Kidd out there, right? It's nothing complicated. But um, the fact that he's big enough to draw defenses is what's got him his assist. So I don't. I feel comfortable lessening his load on that side of the ball because of his high turnover rate. Me personally, anyway. Even though I do recognize he has somebody there, but I feel like that usage um, when that usage is too high, is just you're just gonna be prone to way too many mistakes. That's just me personally. All right. All right. Yo, let's move it all along, guys. Let's move it all along to somebody else who want to talk about. Um, the last person I actually want to talk about is something everybody I'm really interested in, and that is Isaiah Hardenstein. Isaiah Hardenstein. Learn from the Joker, okay? I, I, I've heard he, he's, he's picked up some passing things from the Joker. That's what that's what I was reading. But he's been a pleasant surprise for the Clippers. When training camp started and he was interviewed, he said the Knicks really wanted. And I can see why. This is a guy who kind of can do a lot of things that Mitch can do on the defensive end. He, he plays the pick and roll well, 75th percentile, guarding the pick and roll Big man can pass well. Kind of reminds me of Kyle Quinn with the passes, the backdoor passes, um, and and the quick thinking on that side of the ball. And he has potential to kind of stretch the floor. He, he has a nice little floater game, actually. And he has the reputation of shooting in the three-point shot, even though it's on extremely low volume. He does hit him at a 47% clip. When he does take them, I think he took 30 in total last season. Um, 
Guys, what are you looking forward to when it comes to Hartenstein? For, for me, I'm very excited to see actually Hartenstein and Obi play together in particular because I feel like those guys' skills kind of complement each other. You know, Obi, a guy who kind of three, but also is a guy who's very good at improvisation and cutting off the ball. I feel like him and Hartenstein together is going to wreak havoc with NBA second units. What do you think, Raw? I see Raw over there squirming. Like he want to say something. No, no, I, I think uh, Hartenstein is, I, I already called the second unit led by IQ and Obi Mob Deep. He's going to bring it to a new level. And the thing is, is that, I mean, that second unit, to me, that's, okay, so... The Knicks' second unit, to me, is one of the best in the NBA. It's Facts. been that way for about a year and a half. But this is going to make them the class of the second units in the NBA, to me. Yeah. And so what helped hurt us, like, if you guys know you guys know very well, like last year, a lot of times, the first unit gets us in a hole, the second unit gets us out, the first unit puts us back in, right? I mean, because <laughs> Tibbs kept insisting on putting these starters back in, and either they were gassed or they just simply weren't as good. And the second unit was always like either save us or get us out of hole. This year, right. the first unit is better to me. So when you have a better first unit and now your second unit is coming to another level, I think because Hartenstein does that. He To me, you're talking about him and Obi, and I'm saying like him and Obi and IQ, all them cats, man. It's going to be good. I'm very excited about the second unit because one thing we know for sure the second unit is going to play. <laughs> yeah, they're going to play. play. How many minutes they're going to play, we don't know. But they're going to play, and they're going to play well. So that is really exciting, especially if the first unit can either create a lead or hold the lead. Oh, my God. It's going to be good. It's going to be very good. I'm interested to see what we can do this the first unit. Like, also, too, like, I'm interested to see. Listen, one of my biggest concerns have been Jalen Brunson not having the spacing he had. Um, in New York that he had with Dallas Mavericks and not have, having him replicate his success um, in New York because he doesn't have the same spacing. Uh, Hartenstein kind of has the potential to give him some spacing. Him, RJ, and Connor Randall and kind of give another wrinkle that we never had. So I'm kind of interested to see Hartenstein in different roles here. Um, but yeah, go ahead, Lee or Ryan. One of y'all can jump in and and, and talk about Hartenstein. What do you think? Uh, he's gonna bring to the Knicks. You go ahead, Ryan. Okay, well, I'll say this about Hardenstein. You know, looking at his stats, you know, he played around 17 minutes, 18 minutes a game for, for the Clippers. He averaged 2.4 assists, which I think is very impressive for a big man within the time span that he played. Because you have big men who play more minutes than that, and they're not giving you 2.4 assists per game. So mm. that's number one. Number two, also in 17, 18 minutes a game, he almost averages five rebounds. So to me, that tells me he rebounds at a pretty high clip as well. You know, if he was getting 30 minutes a game, he probably would give you 10 rebounds. So that's another positive right there, too, as a big man. And I just like the fact that he adds that dimension to the game that our bigs don't have, you know, because Mitch and Sims are not really good passes as big men. But he, as a big man is a good passer. So him adding that element, I think is a big positive, especially in situations where, you know, if he's in the, if, you know, if he's in the post and say like the defense is scrambling, he can possibly pass it out to the open guy for a three. 
So I like the possibility of that. I like the possibility of him opening up the floor too as well since he's a pretty decent three-point shooter. He's a highly efficient player, 60% from the field. Like you said, 47% from three. So there's a lot of positives to like about Hardenstein. And I'm really excited to see how he meshes with that second unit coming off the bench. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think we solved two major issues this offseason. Obviously, the point guard issue has been a common thread since Delwyn bought the team. But we also, for the first time, maybe since Ewing, unless you want to count Evan Eschmeyer. Evan Eschmeyer. Sorry. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please hold and you will be able to listen to the show. Sorry about that, guys. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, we have a big, I'm sorry, I meant Timothy Mosrov, not Evan Eshman. Unmuted. We actually have a, a talented, dynamic big who can do a multitude of things on offense and defense. Typically, we've had one of those wooden centers. It's block shots. It's Samuel Dallenbear. Or we have a, a you know a big man can only dunk in the pick and roll situations. Mm-hmm. It might be uh, uber athletic, uh, like Tyson Chandler. But Hardenstein is just a dynamic we have not had in a very long time. For a center, he's a very, very good playmaker. He's also a very good defender as well. He's an awesome rebounder. He has really high IQ and instincts on both sides of the floor. And the NBA has really only seen him in a very small sample size. His career averages at right now are 13.7 minutes a game. That's very little. And I think the Knicks now have an opportunity with Taj Gibson gone. You know Dibs can't pull the Taj card. Right. So he's actually going to get some minutes as that backup center and actually bring a different dynamic to the team than what Noel and Mitch were, who were almost like Mitch was like a, a better version of what Noel was, maybe outside of like shot blocking. Right. And for the most part, Hartenstein can really give you an absolute dynamic offensive threat, even outside of the shooting, which may or not may or not may or may not be realistic. We don't really know if that three point shot is a true uh, part of his game yet, but we do know he's a high IQ passer and really solid mid range player for a center. I'm excited. Yeah, man. I, one of the other things too is not even just the defense around the rim. The Knicks have done a really good job finding these big mobile centers who can guard the rim, but also guard like the wing and the guard a little bit. And that's what Sims um, to the, the utmost degree. Mitch can do it. And Hartenstein kind of falls right in line with those three where he can kind of guard the, the, the wing a little bit in the center. I saw something that said uh, he was guarding the three-point line and was able to kind of the dark bat to the center position and block a shot. Shout out to Ariel, who, who posted a video talking about that. So this guy is uh, uber talented on both sides of the ball, which brings me to my other question, minutes distribution. I've seen a lot of guys feeling like, you know, Artisan can start. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I do feel like there will be times when he will finish some games depending on the flow of the game. But um, what do you feel like the minutes distribution will be between Hartenstein and Mitch? I'll go ahead, Raw. And Raw, what do you think? Um, I, you know, that's a good question because I think it depends on a couple of things. The first, it depends on Mitch's fitness. 
Um, if he's going to, because he talked about building up his win, Mitch Rob did uh, over the course of the summer, building up his, his endurance, because he did seem to be out of breath a lot last year. Now, we know he was taking off a lot of weight, but if he's able to keep his wind up, I think Mitch Rob will play a good 25, 30 minutes. If he can't, then I'm, we're going to see like a, a split, I think an even split between him and Hartenstein. And it also depends on Mitch's... If he's not going to be in foul trouble, I think Tibbs is going to na- Tibbs naturally prefers the rim protector uh, and, and Mitch is the elite rim protector. So, and of course, Mitch is the better offensive rebounder. So those are big. And so if, if no pun intended, so if Mitch Rob is in shape in terms of his uh, wind and he's not, you know, losing wind a lot easily and he is not in foul trouble, he's going to play the majority of minutes. But other than that, I can see it being pretty close like 23, 25, you know, something like that. Yeah. Me too. I I I I agree, man. This this is gonna be a battle. I'm really interested. This is probably our team is deep. Our, mm-hmm. our team is mm-hmm. very very deep. I guess you guys uh, deeper don't have people, anything to deeper, add to that. deeper than people to realize, man. Really much deeper than people realize. A way a whole lot deeper than most people. And I had something else to say, and it escaped me right now. I'm gonna think about it a little bit later. I bet. All right. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yo, salute to you guys. Is I I know, the phone lines are back up. If you want to call in. I saw that Internick verse said that um, Hardenstein, Hardenstein has a high foul rate. Yeah, both him and Mitch have foul troubles, and that might be the time when Sims gets his little five minutes when both of those guys are in foul trouble. But uh, both of those guys have that in common, that they they kind of a uh, high foul rate type of guys. But nonetheless, he's going to be a great addition for, for our team. That's fine. That's 12 fouls between the Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We'll be, all right. <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll definitely be fine. Yeah. Uh, yep. Basketball prophet says Harnstein is the best rim protector in the NBA. Literally saved two and a half more points at the rim than Mitch last season per possession. Yeah, it's one of those things with you can foul more and get more blocks. Cause I there was a there was a year where rim there was a year when Mitch I think led the NBA in blocks or was like number two. And that was the like year. His first or second year. Yeah, either first yeah. year or second year. Yeah. And that was also the year when he was fouling out like crazy. So sometimes, you know, you got to be able to, to deter with your presence and not just go for the block. So I do value that. that but it's more impressive like, when you could do that and not foul out. Didn't Mitch have like eight or nine blocks in one game? Something like that? This yeah. game he had like. No, it was like two years ago or something. Yeah, he had like eight or nine blocks. Have that amount of blocks. Yeah, 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 like eight or nine blocks in the game. So I'm not sure. I'm not. Sure. I, 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 it might be. I have to double check that. I have to double check that. Oh, I, I thought about it now. I thought about it. What I wanted to say before now. I do also feel like Hartenstein is going to actually. He might actually push Mitch to expand his game because we all we all seen videos of him working on dribble handoff, shooting jump shots. Um, Yo, it's funny. Shout out to Papa Left. Papa Left uh, challenged Mitch to a bet and said, if Mitch Mitchell Robinson shoots one three-pointer, he's going to cash up him in $100. Now, we all know Mitch doesn't need a hundo, right? Mitch is good. Nah, nah <laughs> Mitch should cap at, could cap at all of us $100. But listen, Mitch put the hot... I tagged Mitch in the post because... Because even though these Knicks pretend like they don't pretend, even though yeah, these Knicks watch, pretend they watch, they like they watch, don't pay they attention watch. on social media, 
I see Mitch in the streets. I see Mitch in the contacts. Mitch pays attention. So I tagged Mitch. <laughs> and then I saw like a few days later, he has the, the eyes on the comment. So Papa left. <laughs> you might have to call up $100 to Mitch because I think it's coming. I'm just letting you know this right now. Sham God Mitch coming. is on the way. The Sham God into the jumper from three is coming. Watch out. Trust me. All right. The, the God Sham God cross. The the God Sham God cross into the Mitch Curry jumper from three. It's happening. I'm telling you, Mitch Curry with the Excellent. shot. It's happening. And I just want to confirm what Ross said. Yes, his career high blocks in the game is nine blocks against the Magic, November 11, 2018. Yeah. Uh, good memory. Good memory. Good yeah. memory. November. And that was my birthday. Look at that. Oh, and that was like he had like a streak of blocks that year. Like he had like so many games in a row where he had a whole bunch of you know he had a block. Gotcha. Jason Anderson, Mitch joined spaces before. Yeah, Mitch is Mitch is tapped in. He can't fool us. All right. I know we got a caller up, and then um, I'm going to tell you the big guest is coming next week after this caller. So next caller up, we got Craig Ward. What's going on, Craig? What's happening, man? What's going, What's going on? on? It's Craig. Get up. Give me shout out to Lee, the new addition to the Nick of Time uh, show. Shout out to Lee. Um, gotta give it up. Gotta give it up for Ryan and the in the fact. My man Roy, I call you my continental breakfast because I tell you <laughs> I've had my coffee, my banana nut muffin, and I put you on <laughs> to get some of my uh, continent. When, of course, I gotta give it up to the one and only Jay Ellis. Shoot. It's been a long time, fellas, but. Here's my here's my take. We were up on um Hartenstein and um I think he's a really good addition to the family. Um what I do like about him is the fact that I think he can also take, you know, the heat out of the paint. But as far as like big men, I've always expected the uh the the big men to uh hold it down as far as the defenses, the uh, the rim protection. Um, I think that uh, he won't be necessarily used so much around the rim, but to take the heat um, from clogging up the middle by bringing out, you know, the guys out from uh, the paint so that it will make it easier for the, the smaller guys to, uh, to drive in and, and uh, score that way. Um, I like the fact that uh, we have um, a, new, a new guard which is what we needed as far as um, controlling the game. See, what made um, Randolph so bad is the fact that you want to use him as a point, and he's not a point. He's not a point at all, but they thought that that was what the the culture was going to go towards, is having a big man controlling the game. He's not the one. He doesn't have the handles um, per se when it comes down to controlling the lower portion of the uh, the court. Now, on the outside, he gets double-teamed. He panics a lot and throws the ball away, but towards the end of the season last year, he was able to make some really good passes, which made me shocked. Like, wow, he really hit that one. But he waits too long. He holds on to the ball entirely too long, like yeah. he's having breakfast, lunch, and dinner yeah. with the ball. He doesn't have the processing speed soon, to think about as the passes. And as, as soon yeah. as you get right, double, right. Right. As soon as you get double-teamed, Count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three. Get rid of the ball. Don't yeah. sit there, look around, having guys wide open. How many times do you see um, um, 
RJ jumping up and down with his hands in the in the corner, passing the ball, and he's overlooked. Yeah. So with us having Brunson, he's gonna he's the floor general. He's the one that's gonna control the whole gang, and I think that is going to be the the big difference. We're finally going to have a floor general, somebody that can keep their heads up, has a high IQ, and he's like he said, I'm not going to be here to save the game, save the team. I'm not the savior. But trust and believe, he's going to be a big major difference in the um, performance of our Knicks um, this particular season. That's why I think that RJ feels really positive about that because he said, you know, we're going to shock the world. And I think, to be honest with you, fellas, we definitely are going to be the um, the most talked about team in the league this season. So I hope, I hope it's for all part. the right reasons, man. I hope, yeah, I hope that's it's all the right positive. reasons. But yo, thanks for calling in, Craig. Right. It's been a while since you talked to us, man. Salute to you. Thanks for calling. Right. Okay, bro. I appreciate you. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Absolutely. Craig's been OG. OG caller, OG listener. Probably one of the first minds I made on KOT show. Um, I know since JT said he wanted to call, I know Chris said he wanted to call. Anybody else in the queue? No? The first you coming you coming through, Fritz? I know you oh, said you're gonna come through. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Hey, so, um I'm really excited. Uh, I'm excited about the scene uh the day after Tibbs is fired. Um, <laughs> uh, because what happens? Uh, Cam must happen. Yeah. Uh, Cam, you gotta stay strong. You can survive this. Just wait a minute. Um, this Tibbs is he's holding his back. Um, this we have an an absolute infant team. This team should be not in eight or sec eight seconds or less. You know, this team could really outlast other teams. So they should really be taking a new approach. Tim has not indicated that he's going to do anything different. Than he yeah. Yeah. This he hasn't is indicated he's in anything, anything different than last year. Yeah. He just needs to listen. We have one of the deepest teams in NBA. That's our strength. And this guy. Tibbs has a tendency to lean on his veterans a little bit too much. He, he's done that his whole career. If you look back to other teams like the Timberwolves, they complained about that. So for us to maximize our potential, I absolutely believe that Tibbs has to adjust in that regard and actually utilizing our strength, which is our death. So hopefully that's what Tibbs does in 2022. I, I think, oh, yeah, I think Ovi has some people on the side. Like this going into this summer. You can see I mean, this is the time of year people are bulking up, changing the way they look. Obi looks exactly the same as he looked last year. So you know what? They didn't want him to change the thing. They didn't want him to become a power player. They didn't want him, oh, Obi should to trip back to the back. No, they like Obi the way he was. Gotcha. So I, they like Obi the way he was. Tibbs is the one who needs to change. <laughs> gotcha. right, so I, I'm just thinking business in here and then we can start getting down the business and making the roster work if you have two talented guys you make it work absolutely yeah so we you, do you don't say hey i i don't like it no you make it work we, you finally make it work 
Yeah, we we definitely can't make it work. We just we just need to like, utilize the pieces we have correctly. So salute to you, man. Shout out to the best mind in the game. My guy Fritz. Shout out to you, Fritz Neil. All right. All right, yo, good show, guys. I think we talked about everything else that we want to talk about. Um, next show coming up will be on Monday. So it's, it's, it might be a later show than usual, but we'll be here on Monday with a surprise guest. And the Nikki Time Show will be having Monday night the GOAT of insiders, Mr. Ian Begley, making his debut on the KOT show. So shout out to you guys. Um, we got Ian coming here. So definitely I want to be here on Monday um, to talk things with us and we should have a good time, man. We're going to wrap up. It's going to be our actual season, preseason, pre-show. And it's going to be a good talk, talking about the biggest questions coming into this season. So definitely, Definitely um, join us on Monday as we talk Knicks with the GOAT, Ian Bagley. All right. All right. That is our show, guys, man. I know all you guys are tired. So let's wrap this up. Um, and as you know, hit that like button, subscribe button if you're feeling the show, you're feeling the conversation. Had some great times today. Lots of jokes in the beginning, for sure. It was a fun show. I like having all the guys together, man. I love you guys, man. <laughs> Full squad. I'm still trying to get Kathy. Kathy keeps saying she's coming. Kathy keeps saying she's coming. Who's Kathy? Kathy who? Kathy. Oh, listen. For God, for those of you who know, KOT started. Back oh, the baby I used to have back in the day? 2016, yeah. yes. Oh, it was me, Ryan G, Edson Shot, and Kathy. Her. That that right. that was the old okay. th that was the old crew back Is in the Kathy day. Kathy coming back? Kathy coming She's been trying. She's been trying. And I and all she right. said all she right. was gonna come right. and then work got in the way. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. If you don't know, the first woman content creator ever in X Nation Kathy. was Kathy. All right, if, yeah. just get it straight. Let's get, let's, let's get it straight. Let's get this come correct. We, we, yes, we, we started in 2016. That was the first. That was the first woman next content creator. Low key, somebody, was the first. Was a lot of things. It was in somebody's apartment. I remember. Oh yeah, it was is Edson Sean's in Edson Sean's uh, uh, garage where he had a little studio. <laughs> Dang, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dang, yeah. Low key, we were first to do a lot of things, and people kind of like copied us and. Yeah, copy this. Be inspired. There was then there was that mother son couple. People. I forgot their name. Hmm? There was that mother son couple. Remember them? Man. Yeah. Yes. Trey and Trey and Terry. Trey and Trey. Yeah. What Trey. happened to them, man? I don't, dog. I've been trying to get Terry and Trey no. on here. Terry and Trey. I've been trying, and Trey. I just let it go after a while. I <laughs> thought they were brother and sisters. That chick, man. Oh my God. Yeah. They just. I don't know. Maybe they just getting so their life young, together man. or something. Thought, they, thought, they might be back. Yeah. They might be back. Yeah. Who knows? Terry and Trey. Yeah, yeah Terry and Trey. Goats, them. man. I missed them. I missed Goals. them. I definitely missed them. Yo, Terry and Trey, if you listen, listen. Where y'all at? Come on back there, <laughs> Listen. But yo, that is our show, man. That is our show. Thank you guys for 
watching and it's time to say goodbye all right ryan let them know where you can find you sir you can find me on instagram at sir g is chilling sir g, sir g, g is chilling that's s-i-r-g is c-h-i-l-l-i-n you can also find me sir g's corner also on instagram content coming soon and ryan g k-o-t on twitter that's right. That's right. All right. Raw, let them know where to find you, All sir. Right, so it's, it's Raw Hebrew Remnant on YouTube. Now, I, I ain't spelled it, but it's R on, on Twitter. It's R W H B R W R M N A N T. Raw Hebrew Remnant shortened on Twitter. But you, most of y'all probably know that. And then there's Raw Hebrew Remnant uh, also on Patreon for the support of the poor in the Philippines. That's all right. Get that Patreon support the poor in the Philippines. All right. Come on, Lee. Let him know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Lee. Lee is now on Twitter, y'all. Let's go. It's official. official. We bullied him. We bullied him on Twitter. I thought Lee Lee was already on Twitter. I don't know why I thought he was already on. Nope. He just joined. He just joined. Okay. Okay. Lee. First time ever. Where can they find you, Lee? Yeah, y'all can me a follow. Uh, my handle is at underscore Lee Estrebedo, L-E-E-E-S-C-O-B-E-D-O. Mm-hmm. And also, make sure you follow my boys here on the KOT show. Uh, I'll always hit up Ryan G for the financial advice. Did get your money right. And I subscribe to Ross Patreon on the day. I'm going to be an avid reader. So make sure y'all support my boys here on the channel. Do Absolutely. good work. Solid. Thank you. And Fritz, the MVP. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. You already know what it is. All right. Listen to us on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you hear any of those things. I'll be listening to the KOT KOT show on all those podcast platforms. Also, you can buy our snapbacks on thegatimeshow.com slash catalog. And also follow us on Twitter, Facebook. And Instagram, the KT Show on Twitter, the Nick and Thomas Show on Facebook and Instagram. That is our show. And as always, shout out the worldwide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in these Nick's YouTube and Twitter streets. That is our show. We out of here. Peace. Thank you.